So hello everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is going to be an open discussion round about Jewelry 4.0 and uh, about the question, sustainability, where are though? My name is Leila Miller, I'm going to be the moderator but also participant of this discussion round. And uh, next to me we have Danielle Keller and Anja Dragan, who are now um, going to introduce themselves. Hi, uh, I'm Danielle Keller. Um, I will shortly introduce myself. Uh, I have a BA in jewelry design. Uh, I did it in Israel in a really big design school. Uh, and after that, I did a short internship in Marks and Spencer, kind of like getting the corporate vibe. Uh, and then I opened my own uh, brand that was operating in Israel, but also in Europe and US for five years. Uh, the brand was designing, manufacturing, marketing, uh, silver and gold jewelry. Uh, then at some point I started um, asking all of my suppliers some complicated questions about the materials that I was uh, sourcing, uh, who touched the materials before I started working on them. And I didn't really get any answers, so I understood that either they don't know anything about things and where they come from, or they don't want to share. And neither of these options were really cool for me. So I decided I'm going to do an MA focused on sustainability in fashion here in Berlin. Uh, and I did it. And my MA thesis was focused on the jewelry supply chain and the implementation of sustainability within the industry. And throughout this MA, I understood from all the time reflecting um, the topic of sustainability in fashion onto the jewelry industry, that there are um, big differences between these industries, although it seems like they are parallel. Um, this topic of sustainability in jewelry is not really communicated, so people are not really aware what they are buying, why they are buying these things, and also companies are not really involved in this topic or trying to do anything in this area. Um, and the more I talked to people from the industry, I understood that this topic is really interesting and new to them and a lot of concepts that were really obvious from talking about sustainability in fashion, like recyclability or circularity, these were really new ideas to them. So a lot of these things were like, you know, I. Um, I took water out of the rock or something like really magical. Um, yeah, so since then I've been doing a lot of uh, writing work about the topic of sustainability, uh, some consulting and researching. Uh, yeah. Um, hi, my name is Anja Dragan. Um, I have a background in fashion and textile design. Uh, since three years, I work as a freelancer specialized in wearable technologies. Um, so I did my bachelor in fashion design and textile design in Slovenia, where I come from. Um, in the studies, I also spent one semester in Denmark, which is where I first came across like really in-depth um, sustainability studies. And after that, I did an internship with Irison Herpen um, in Arnhem and Amsterdam. This is where I came across technology the first time, 3D printing, laser cutting. Um, and later on, I did my master's in Arnhem as well, that was focused on wearable um, innovation, technology, sustainability, and general future of fashion. 
Um, after that, I moved to Berlin. And yes, as I said before, I started to freelance on different projects. Um, I work a lot with um, more experimental clothing, so not really pret-a-porter, but uh, we do a lot of um, pieces for shows, um, theater, film, and this kind of things. And um, as I said, I'm Leila Müller. Um, <clears throat> sorry, and my voice is uh, lost since last week, so that's going to be fun today. Um, I have my brand, uh, Leila Demu, and I'm on the intersection of uh, sustainability and innovation. So um, in Berlin, I did my bachelor's and master's in fashion design, and um, in the last three and four years, um, gotten into the field of sustainability and tech, created a fashion tech collection, and um, saw within this whole value chain that I created that there are a lot of questions that cannot be answered um, or that people are not interested in answering. Um, I then became event manager for fashion tech-related events. You might have known um, Wear It Innovation Summit. It was taking place last week. was about uh, wearables, cross-industry innovation, and smart textiles. And at the same time, I have a jewelry brand with which I try to um, analyze the different points on the value chain and creating um, fashion jewelry, so not like goldsmith, not silver gold jewelry, but fashion jewelry. And uh, yeah, this is how we all come together uh, with different expertise in different fields, trying to put our knowledge together and in this discussion around find solutions or maybe even more questions that need to be asked to the industry. So um, the first question I want to ask all of us is, um, If we're focusing on the next level of sustainability in the jewelry industry, if we want to create Jewelry 4.0, how can we create something meaningful that carries this responsibility, but at the same time have this fun and aesthetic level to it? <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, first of all, um, from my perspective, the next generation of the industry sh should be something a bit more uh, cross-industry uh, point of view. So you would think uh, about the materials that are used for jewelry and look for them in different industries. So for example, um, how can the um, technology industry collaborate together with like dentists and medical equipment? Uh, together with a bit more like morbid industry, so like cemeteries or um, cremation uh, facilities, uh, and kind of like collect all these really precious, uh, valuable materials in order to give them a second or third or seventh life. Because if you differentiate the jewelry industry from fashion, these materials... Um, are here to stay. So once we mine them and we process them, they are here. We can't reinsert them back into the ground. And their, uh, their quality doesn't degrade if we recycle them. So for me, this would be, first of all, um, kind of like the next generation of sustainable jewelry. And um, I'm trying to think of like... Um, You want to take it? <laughs> <clears throat> so what I think is also important is to talk about how unsustainable jewelry industry actually is because before we start going on on how we change it to make it better because with fashion industry I think we're very much aware how unsustainable it is and 
um, this topic is very pop, like it's out there and we're talking about it, but almost nobody's talking about how unsustainable the jewelry industry is because it is extremely unsustainable. It's very hard to make sustainable jewelry, especially if you're working in fine jewelry. Like if you're using metals or if you're using gemstones or diamonds, they're all, they're all raw materials that come from the ground and are per se unsustainable. They, I mean, most of them come from the poorest regions of the world and they're very easy to track. They're very easy to trace, like where they come from, how they were um, produced, um, how they were cut, uh, all these kind of uh, things. So this is, I think, where technology can really help with the yeah, traceability to make the whole process more transparent so that the customer becomes more aware of where things are coming from, the same as in fashion industry. Only that people, I think, I mean, customer here is very can be very responsible and can cause this change knowing that what is happening like out there. Um, so that, I think, is the technology on one point, what can, uh, how can help. And then, of course, there is like, um, um, there are techniques that are getting more developed um, that can help jewelry industry coming to the next level. So maybe using different materials, like with 3D printing, we have also precision scanning techniques, which can help make uh, made-to-measure jewelry, which I think is also a very important um, aspect to make it, I don't know, also more comfortable. I don't wear a lot of jewelry because I find it very uncomfortable, for example. And I think this is all what technology can help. Of course, also, um, Technologies are getting smaller. They're getting uh, chips are getting smaller. Um, sensors are getting smaller. It's easier to make um, jewelry also like kind of smart or make it with some um, I don't know more into wearables perspective. Um, but yeah, of course, this is all still in the development. Even though if you look, for example, at hearing aids, they're a good example of wearable technology that's extremely small. So I think like it could come to the jewelry industry also very soon. Yeah. I think it's an interesting topic um, to address that technology doesn't necessarily have to be in the jewelry itself and doesn't necessarily have to be a wearable just because the industry with technology is pushing for all these innovations, but also to take this potential of the um, technology into where is it created? How can we create it? Um, who is creating it? How are they suffering currently from the creation? How we can... Um, how can we create um, more responsibility when it comes to um, the fair creation of jewelry? Um, on the other point, when it comes to technology and when it comes to the integration of technology, um, I think we would have to address the sustainability and the use case of the jewelry piece. So um, a smartwatch, if you use it for two or three years and you have a software update and then you kind of have the newest model because the software is a new model, then you can also have a wearable piece that can last a few years and really um, be part of your outfit. You can change the wristband, you can change the outer appearance so you can have it last. But if you have, for example, an earring that has LEDs in it and is just blinking, then how long will you actually use this piece? How long can you sustain this look and this style into your, um, into your style that you want to create for the next few years? What do you think about this topic, like the importance of style and the importance of the use case of the jewelry? Um, I think that probably it's prior to any other uh, characteristic of the product 
that if we don't like the product, we wouldn't buy it. So first of all, it needs to be super appealing. So no matter what kind of product you create, whether it's really a precious item or really fashion uh, item, it doesn't matter. Um, and um, I think it could actually mitigate some of these topics to be easily integrated into our lives. So we see it also in fashion. So like 20 years, all the fashion garments, the sustainable fashion garments were like really hippie and weird color combinations and patterns. And most of us didn't buy them. And then it started to be like normal garments, just with better supply chain or better materials or better production processes. And then all of us started integrating it into our wardrobe. So you couldn't differentiate whether this top is sustainable or not because it was just a nice top that maybe I knew that it was sustainable as well. Um, so I think that this is should be the first thing that we or we need to do. Um, but I think that um, that it makes sense to integrate technology where it could improve the product. I think that uh, maybe this, like taking your example of like earrings with like lead uh, bulb wouldn't make that much of um, an importance add-on um, as a technology to the product. But if the technology like a smartwatch does create any additional positive thing to your life, then maybe the implementation of technology makes sense within the product. So like I have few examples from like more my field, so like the implementation of blockchain in order to trace uh, materials or regions of, uh, of the supply chain within the jewelry makes a lot of sense. So if you uh, could use technology in your own product to make it more traceable or sustainable, then it makes a lot of sense or to use QR codes or whatever. Uh, but I think just as a gimmick, I don't think that it really is that appealing, but it's just my perspective. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is a bit funnier because I made a lot of things with LEDs in the past. Uh, no, but I agree that aesthetical value is one of the most important things about products. Um, and talking about jewelry especially is like because most of jewelry um, came to existence as a non-necessarily functioning item. So it is important, like the way it looks, it is very important. But... Um, I do think that integrating some technologies that make it look, I don't know, I think light can bring another layer to design if you use it correctly. Yeah. It is very hard to use it correctly because especially if you do it with your, on, your, on your own and not through a big company or something that is producing all this uh, fancy mini, very small um, chips. Um, so, yeah, if you do it yourself, it's extremely hard. And I agree, it's also not always very sustainable because as soon as you start integrating um, cables or different soldering materials or any kind of materials in general into the product, it becomes less sustainable. And I think 
when we're looking at the um, again at fine jewelry, it's um, actually a very easy to recycle. So that's very, like sometimes. I mean, if you use metals that are pure metals, it is fairly easy to recycle. In fashion, it's much more difficult because if it's a mix of polyester and cotton or whatever, it's almost impossible to recycle it to pull it apart because technology is just not advanced yet enough and I don't know if it will ever be to do this kind of things so to the point where you can reuse the um, yarn again to make another like garment out of it um, yeah so aesthetics are important <laughs> so when it comes to aesthetics um, I think we all agree that the designer is the one who creates that aesthetic according to the trend according to society according to which area he lives in might also be differing from the design aesthetics um, the responsibility in which piece is in the end sustainable and is, is bought lies in so many fields though so on one hand it's the designer's responsibility to create a piece that's um, valuable in the whole product and has a really nice appearance to it, then there might be um, the people that drive the technology in the industry that have to make certain decisions to um, have this impact so that really use the technology that's there or really invest into the, um, into the f f uh, further development of these technologies. And then in the end we have the consumer who then has to be open to buy these pieces, whether they have light or batteries or something integrated, whether they have a, an additional use case or if they're a classic um, fashion or fine jewelry piece, but yet have a sustainable background. So um, for you and your situation right now, which responsibility do you think is the most valuable or the first one to attack now with all these values? Um, I think what you said is very important that designers become very aware of sustainable practices and already that universities teach and put a lot of emphasis on sustainability because I remember 10 years ago when I studied it was not like the, the um, point of the studies was not so much focused on sustainability as it is now and I think this is very good because designers know about this and you should really be aware how can you make it better and I think this is the main point actually because um, if you design more products that are sustainable from the beginning then it will be easier for the consumer to buy them or to I don't know maybe they don't even know they're sustainable or whatever but um, yeah I think that's a good starting point yeah um. I think that it's important that the designers would know and it's definitely something that should be more incorporated to educate like new designers and involve more courses talking about sustainability in different colloquiums. But I think that it's mainly on the industry. Uh, and I think the industry blames us as consumers, like you should demand this. You know, if you would protest that you want sustainable jewelry, we would do sustainable jewelry. And this is really kind of like them taking a step back and like saying, this is not our responsibility, this is your responsibility. And um, I, I think that they have a lot of power because in the end we buy what they make. Um, so yes, we, we should demand, but I don't think that it's on our responsibility to change the industry. Um, and 
and it's an excuse that I heard a lot while I was talking to many industry people that you know consumers should push further for it and I'm like yes but they don't know you know they don't know that you're working with a fucking dirty mine in Africa and working with 80 year old children to create the diamonds that I in the end buy in Germany you know how, how would you assume that they would know this so I think that it's um, that it's a lot about the industry, trying to take responsibility, take it to uh, jewelry 4.0, and um, and think about our future and our children's future and whatever, um, and and then maybe integrating new new business models that could offer them more economical value. So maybe instead of producing so many uh, products every year that in the end they would, instead of like Burberry uh, burning garments, then Cartier uh, recycled the materials. Um, then they could maybe offer some other long-term services as an example. So when talking about the economy, um, my thought pops up that um, when it comes to small designers and small brands, it's really hard to push an idea through that's sustainable because you might know what you don't want, but it's really hard to find the suppliers and the technologies that actually can offer you what you're looking for at the price you can pay. Because when you put everything into it and you work 24-7, it's just, it's just going to take a long time until you get there. So um, it could be that maybe uh, big designers and big brands would have to take the responsibility to do so. But when it comes to economy, I immediately think somehow of politics. So thinking of like how can the communication not be from the marketing side, from Cartier or for, from, a, um, from two marketing people sitting in an office, but how can it come from the economies of certain countries? Not just from Germany, of course. But, I mean, Europe is actually quite well communicated when it comes to um, the transparency in a lot of industries. But when it comes to different countries, when it comes to different continents, um, how can you imagine politics and communication to the citizen could change something in this? Um, I think it was last year that the OECD came out with like this new um, uh, conflict mineral report, saying that I think it was it's going to be implemented in 2021, but I'm not sure. Uh, that by then it wouldn't be possible to import to Europe uh, any miner conflict minerals. And this involves a lot of metals that we use. So it would mean that all of the European countries that want to trade their products in, in here would need to change a lot of their suppliers. Um, and I think this, for example, is a really progressive regulation that would, I don't know how it's going to be actually implemented. I know. I don't know how it's going to be regulated or checked. Um, but, but I think this is a really brave step towards a more responsible and clean um, industry. And I think definitely it has a really powerful uh, impact. So I think this could be a really good example and I think the European Union is really leading in a lot of 
not not necessarily on jewelry, on a lot of different uh, aspects of sustainability and responsibility. And um, it's a strong union that trades a lot. So if it would set an example to other unions like the US or China, since it's bigger than a lot of different other population areas in, around the world, it could start a really big change. Um, <clears throat> yeah, also a lot of, um, I mean, I read that already like companies are working towards this kind of um, like also blockchain and um, different kind of systems that would help. Um, but also companies are going more like when we're talking about diamonds to man-made diamonds and things that would again be created, like not would not be taken out of the nature. Um, but I think you already <laughs> said pretty much what I wanted to say. <laughs> okay, well, um, so when it comes to the sustainable potential we have in the jewelry industry, thinking of technology in the value chain, but also thinking of technology in the finished pieces that we have, um, what do you think is the new potential in the functionality and when it comes to new technologies? Like, specifically, which technologies or which... Uh, um, I think what would be very practical is to have um, like tracking system <laughs> of in jewelry, integrated in jewelry, like um, also um, some clothing already has tags like with um, all the transparent, like you can see all the points where it traveled, where it was made, where the fabrics come from, all these kind of things and jewelry could have that as well. And um, also, um, you could recognize the ownership and uh, this kind of stuff. So if it was lost, you could like trace it back, maybe. And um, again, yeah, more into the wearables um, direction could go. But um, yeah, helping you to recognize, I don't know, symptoms that you have on your body, I don't know, with heart rate or this kind of things. These are all, um, yeah, technologies that can be easily integrated, I think. Um, but I think jewelry is still, as said before, was not per se made to be functional. So it was made as something like as a status symbol or as a, a personal um, symbol or as a, something precious to people that was traveling really from generation to generation. And I think we should not forget about that. It should still, aesthetical value is super important. And I think it should still stay something um, fairly simple. I mean, it doesn't have to be blinky, blinky and um, super high tech because it is very small, like its pieces are very small. And as soon as you start integrating technology, everything becomes bigger. Also when thing, technology breaks very often, um, you can see, I mean, you have a phone for how many years and phones are pretty um, advanced the way it's made. So it has to look good or it has to function also without technology, always. Because if you make it with technology and technology doesn't function anymore, then the end of, the end of products is very, like the life of the product is not very long. And this is what we have to keep in mind. Um, I, I really like what you said. I think that, um, that 
the main um, job that jewelry has to do is this kind of like being a symbol or like have this emotional attachment or like um, connect us to a specific day or family member or friend. Like this was why they were started to be created many, many years ago. And most of the jewelry that most of us, I think, own has this kind of meaning. So like engagement rings, wedding rings, things we inherited from our grandmothers or passed through our family. And I think, I, I don't know how, but maybe um, trying to connect somehow your family roots to into the technology of your jewelry could be something that could um, upgrade its um, value or like its emotional value. Um, because I also think that, you know, um, I'm not sure about it, but it's just an assumption that someone that would want a smartwatch, if it would look like a jewelry item, it would make him want it more or would enlarge the market of it because it looks more like a jewelry. I think that people that want smartwatch want a smartwatch and if they want a gold bracelet, they want a gold bracelet. I think that maybe like integrating them, I'm, I'm not sure about it, but it's just my guts feeling from, I don't know, operating as a brand owner for a few years and talking to my customers. I don't think that this would be kind of like their answer to combining technology with jewelry. So um, what do you see as the status quo right now? Because from what I see uh, and where at Innovation Summit or when it comes to certain uh, new developments, when it comes to technology, I see a lot of rings that are like smart rings that you can pay with, you can uh, track your heart rate, you can use them for uh, medical reasons, then you have the smart watches, of course, then you have earrings that are headphones at the same time. But let's not, when, when we think of the classic jewelry, when you think of the fine jewelry, when we think of technologies, what is there currently? What's the status quo? What do we have to work on? What do we already have and can be grateful for, for what's happening right now? You want to start? Um, so I personally find 3D printing super interesting in jewelry industry because you can create um, forms that are very hard to create by hand. So I think that's a very interesting perspective. Also with made to measure, like um, it's very easy to order it online. Um, it can be very easily changed to your measurements or something like this. Um, you can also print several materials, also metals. And I think this is a very interesting perspective of what, where the jewelry industry can go or where is, it, where is it actually going already because it's fairly easy to go online, go on Shapeways, um, take a design you like, change it a little bit. Also, if you're not a pro in 3D modeling and order it and you get it in 10 days home. And I think this is very, um, it's also not very expensive and um, it, it brings this personal thing. You can do it yourself. You can do something for somebody else. Um, and it can be, again, like, um, yeah, I don't know, it has this personal touch, I think. And uh, from a design perspective, it's super interesting because, again, you can make things that you cannot make by hand. So, yeah. 
Can I just jump in here? Um, I totally agree. Like 3D printing, it's incredible what you can do with this. And it also, it's not just in the whole innovation fashion field, um, but also in like the classic trade shows for jewelry. This is already super normal that there's 3D printing, that people know how to create the little jewelry trees um, and fill them with gold and whatever made from 3D printing models. Um, when, when I hear this and when I see this, I'm a bit afraid that the the culture of goldsmith work and the culture of creating jewelry by hand could get lost. Are you like, do you see this? Are you afraid of this? So I remember when I worked at Iris, um, that was in 2011, and she showed me, um, this, I was there when she uh, 3D printed her first dress and her second and her third, I think. Um, and the fourth that was that nobody ever saw because it was broken or something. Um, but she showed me um, already back then the materials that I never thought could be 3D printed. It was like, and I was familiar with 3D printing before because my parents work in the hearing aid industry and hearing aids are 3D printed already since quite a few years. Um, and I was fairly sad, like really surprised but what, by what was possible because now it's very common knowledge that you can print these materials, but like, I don't know, 10 years ago, it was kind of like hard to believe that you can print metals and stuff like that. But what I also like about her work is that she's combining both of um, these two worlds. She's combining the craftsmanship with um, technologies. And that's why I also went there, because I think it's very important to keep these two worlds together and not forget about goldsmiths or something like that. I think they're like super precious and what they do is great. I, it's like, but this is just a different level of production. Um, I really hope it will not, that the 3D printing or new technologies will replace them. I really hope not. But um, I mean, also in the world of um, technology, we can see that couture still exists. There are a lot of like in fashion, there are a lot of um, ateliers that do everything by hand. And I think it's really important that com to combine these two worlds and, um, yeah, how to make goldsmiths not, um, yeah, disappear. disappear. <laughs> um, yeah, it will be hard, I think, with technology, but I really hope that there will still be people that will, um, yeah, appreciate the handwork because... 3D printing is not really, um, it's not as personal still as something that's fully made by hand. Um, yes, I totally agree. I think that there is a big uh, difference. So like 3D printing could offer you a personalization option, but it's not personal. So it could be made to your measures. It could be engraved with your husband's name, with your wedding day date, but it's not something made by human. Um, uh, and this is a really big difference. And the 3D printing, um, I think like I started my BA uh, 11 years ago, and it was really common in the industry. So like. Every casting facility used it. It was part of my BA course. And I think like six or seven years before, like students learned it. So it's a really like every mass production company today works with 3D printing. It's not something new to the jewelry industry. Um, 
And I think it has a lot of these uh, really special pot um, add-ons, like being uh, offering like made-to-measures much more easy, like rings. We each one of us has his own size for the ring, and there is a difference between each finger and each end. So this is really makes this process really simple, um, and it could be easily made to demand. So it's it's shortening the production process. Um, but it's definitely a big threat on goldsmithing uh, traditional um, techniques. Um, I, I see it also when I learned, and also I think that it got even more uh, developed than um, a lot of things that I learned to do by hand would be much easier to do by computer. Um, and and these are things that would make my uh, assignments much shorter. So instead of working on my goldsmith table for like eight hours, I could do it in a computer with like an hour or like 30 minutes. Um, and it's a really big um, threat on, on this craftsmanship. But I think you see it also with fashion a lot. So if now fashion students learn how to do patterns. There are also programs that can do it for you automatically, that can scan your body, disassemble it to patterns, cut it, and, and maybe in like 50 years, we wouldn't have anyone knows how to make patterns anymore. So I think it's a, a threat to a lot of craftsmanship or like skills. So um, let's talk about the consumer because now we spoke about the background, what's behind it. Um, the consumer, we said, is not in the total responsibility of um, of choosing or, or wanting to ask for uh, sustainable craftsmanship and for sustainable jewelry, for sustainable wearable jewelry. But how do you think is the consumer ready for this? Like, do you think he's ready for what's coming? Do you think he's ready for being communicated with these informations? What do you think the current situation with the consumer is? I think, first of all, most of them are not aware at all. It's not written in any newspaper. Um, before I was um, in a panel talk about 10 years for sustainability, and one lady in the panel mentioned that for them, one of the biggest jumps uh, was the publicly reports that were published like seven years ago. So like the Pulse report by Copenhagen, uh, by the yeah, Copenhagen Fashion Summit and another uh, Greenpeace report, Fashion at Crossroads. So I think this is still not exists for the jewelry industry. Um, and unless we make consumers be aware, we can't demand them to ask for something different. Um, so I think but I think that people that are starting to question these kind of things, they find their solutions. So there are some ethical brands around the world. And there are some innovations uh, in this industry. Uh, like we said about man-made diamonds. So this is just one solution to tackle a lot of problems with uh, uh, mining diamonds. Uh, but there are a lot of other um, innovations and initiatives in the industry. And I think the more us from the industry would talk about it and would write about it and would 
whatever, communicate about it, the more consumers would start questioning about the things that they own or the things that they want to own and what can they do and then maybe demand more. I don't think that consumers shouldn't demand. I think that you can't expect them to demand if the industry is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think in fashion industry, people become aware, became aware with, I don't know, movies like The True Cost or things like when they saw on TV that things are happening or with H&M starting promoting their sustainable line or something like that. In jewelry, this is not there. So I think that's what you said. It's very, like, costum uh, um, consumers are not aware of what's happening there. I don't know, I read in the article, like, there are really horrible things happening in mining industry or, like, with... Uh, mining gold, um, like to, I don't know, they use cyanide that goes into the water and into the soil and atmosphere. And I don't know, I think, yeah, maybe we need a movie about it. I don't know, maybe this is something that would make people aware. It's, yeah, maybe cliche, but I think this kind of things work. So, yeah. And then, of course, companies have to do something about it. Because when they keep on selling these things in the same way, then we cannot really do anything, right? And I talk about don't what doing. exactly. Yeah, and talk about what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. So um, I guess maybe we should just tomorrow start a Kickstarter campaign for a new movie <laughs> to create this, because um, so the responsibility is really like for me it feels like a circle of responsibility, like people pushing the responsibility to the next person. But we see this in every industry, I guess. We can see this in the fashion industry, in the jewelry industry. We can see this in the furniture industry or in, in, in uh, new technologies. So um, I guess it's just meaning of that every person for himself knows about this responsibility, knows about the transparency that's needed and also communicates this and then it can spread especially through digitalization social media um, Google I mean you can look for any kind of information the question is do you want to look for it and do you want to know about this so um, I think there are so many steps where we could start and it's probably a never-ending loop and let's just hope that if in five years we're sitting here again we can actually say well so much happened in the industry um, especially because time has become so relative. In the past, it took 50 years for a new technology to, to really be integrated and to really spread through the world. Now we can do it in two years and you can use the new technology in America, in Europe and in China. Um, so what I'm interested in now, before we start the Q&A, because I'm also interested in what you ask, like what questions do you have or what opinion do you have? So um, let's just be crazy for a second. Uh, not thinking of any specific things, but if you could have the perfect jewelry piece with the perfect use case, not thinking aesthetically, but like really thinking of innovation and like wearables and, and this uh, making the everyday life easier, what would that be? Just, just go crazy right now. What do you feel in your everyday life you could need help for and you would need a jewelry piece for this? Mm, making life easier... I'm not sure about that, but if I go for like total crazy idea, I was really and it not possible idea maybe even. <laughs> um, I really love holograms, 
And I would really love to have a hologram jewelry. I don't know, because I don't really wear a lot of jewelry because I don't find it comfortable, as what I said before. But if you don't feel it, if it doesn't actually exist in a like physical form, but it's kind of like imaginary. So is that crazy enough? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I think it's not possible. But I also really like the idea of clothes that don't exist. So I don't know. Maybe that's next. So yeah, basically you can swipe years. through your jewelry, through the holograms, and you just yes. have another... I just don't know how physically could you create it. I talked to a creative technologist about it already, but no, I think it's too early. So Maybe. really far future. Far future. Far future. Science fiction. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I actually have no idea. Um, I'm not in a crazy mood. Um, so then what's on the market right now? Uh, which, what did you see on the market right now that you so thought, oh, I would like to have this? I didn't invest in it yet because it's not sustainable enough, but actually it's really cool and I would really like to have it in my everyday life. I'm not sure if I would like it to be in my everyday life, but I heard not long ago about a company that take the ashes of people and transform them into diamonds. And I found it a bit like creepy, but interesting. <laughs> uh, and maybe you could create around it like a sustainable case, you know, instead of mining uh, virgin diamonds, you could create one from your old grandma. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think this is the craziest that I can <laughs> pull out of my head today. But actually it's already existing, so it's not like even the craziest, it's already existing, and I actually never heard of this before, so it's, I'm a bit creeped out right now. Yes. Um, I heard that you, um, that you can, um, instead of being in a coffin, you can be put into soil of a new tree and then be planted and create new life to nature. I think that's really beautiful. <laughs> um, what I was just thinking about was, because I have piercings, I have tattoos, and tattoos are also kind of like body jewelry, so I could imagine if you have um, piercings and tattoos that have another function, because you wear them the whole time anyway. I mean, everyone who has a nose piercing knows they don't take it out to take a shower or to go swimming. So that could have a certain use case. But then, of course, as soon as you have GPS in it, then you have to think of data security and who can log into your nose piercing and who can know uh, <laughs> where you are and what you're at. So, if you have a flu. <laughs> or if you have, well, then you can, um, if you have a flu, then you can connect it to your insurance and then you can connect <laughs> it to, to, to measuring your um, bacteria or whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, the future is crazy, but the future is here. And I think it's important that we all are aware of this and we all know that we can do something about this. So what would you do about this? What is your question? What's burning on your mind? Thank you so much uh, for listening. This is Anja Dragan, Danielle Keller and Leila Miller. And we'll still stick around so in case you have questions or you want to talk with us further, we can definitely uh, continue this conversation for this quite important topic in the industry. So thank you so much and enjoy the conference. Mm -hmm.